He said he'd never leave us. He'd never forsake us. You know, he never said there wouldn't be times that we wouldn't walk away from him. I know there's been times in my life that I have left him, that I have walked away, but he made us a promise. If we'll stand by him, if we'll trust him, he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. He will always be there for you no matter what. Come what may, he is not going anywhere. He is a faithful God. He is a trustworthy God. You can rest assured that He will do what He said He will do. And He made us the promise. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. I love the Scripture in Isaiah 42, I believe it is. He said, Have you not heard? Has it not been made known to you that our God, the Creator of all things, the God of the heavens, the God of the earth, has it not been made clear to you that He never faints, He never grows weary, He never decreases in strength, His hand is never too short that it cannot reach and get you wherever you are? Have you not heard? Have you not known? And then the Bible goes on to tell us that even the youths faint. Even the youths grow weary. Even the youngest of the young from time to time in difficulties and trials, they grow weak. But he said, our God gives strength to the weak. Our God is the God that has the touch that can strengthen you in your weakest condition. And I make you a promise today from the Word of God. If you will trust in Him, no matter what your fire is, no matter what your trial, no matter what your circumstance, if you will just trust Him, he will come through, and He will be there right on time. He may not come when you want Him, but He'll always be there when you need Him. You know what? Just give me I can just see them walking on the shores of heaven. They're praising the Lord and watching the tide roll in. Friends that have gone on, oh how I miss them so. If I could talk to them now, then they'd let me know that they're doing fine and it doesn't hurt anymore. Things couldn't be better and heaven is worth waiting for. You'll be waiting for me. If you could talk to me now, then here's what you'd say to me. Wish you were here. Wish you were here. It's such a beautiful place. Wish you were here, nothing but clear sunny days. It never rains and no one complains and we haven't seen a tear. We're having a great time. Wish you were here. You know, I, I apologize. 
this is a beautiful song. I haven't sung it in so long, I can't even remember the second verse. But I know that, that and you may think I'm bluffing, but I don't, I don't even need it. I'm not even going to go through with it. But I know that the Lord meant for that part to be sung. Because I looked around and I just thought about some that have recently lost loved ones. And I saw, I saw the Lord in their eyes when I turned around and looked at them. So I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that was, um, there was a purpose and a reason for that. And even though I may not know the verses, I want you to know the meaning is what counts. Let's sing that chorus again. Wish you were here. Wish you were here. It's such a beautiful place. Wish you were here. Nothing but clear sunny days. It never rains and no one complains. And we haven't seen a tear. We're having a great time. Wish you were here. It never rains. It never rains and no one complains. And we haven't seen a tear. We're having a great time. Wish you were here. You know, ain't it great to know? The Bible says that, um, and I, I, I pray you just let us minister this morning, let the Lord minister this morning, but the Bible, he says in the book of Thessalonians, I would not have you sorrow when you lose loved ones as those who don't have hope. Did you catch that? I would not have you sorrow as those who don't have hope. But I would have you rejoice and know that one day the Lord is coming back. And we have hope that when that day comes that we shall be reunited together once again in heaven. We may not know each other as, as we know each other here. But the Bible says we shall be known and we shall know even as we are known. So I truly believe that there is a day coming in which there are no more sorrows. There are no more tears. There is nothing but rejoicing in that land. And all we have to do is trust in the Lord while we're here. And if we can do that, then we can rest assured that when that day comes, we can rejoice. We can not have to worry about sorrows, pains, struggles. There ain't no more bills in heaven. There ain't no electric bill in your mansion in heaven. I tell you, I already got a shout on that one right there. Those days are coming. Loving God, loving each other. Loving each other, making music with my friends. Loving God, loving each other, and the story never ends. Sing it, Mark. They push back from the table to listen to his words, his secret plan before he had to go. It's not complicated, don't need a lot of rules, but this is all, this is that all you need to know. Loving God, loving each other. Reach over to the person next to you and just grab the hand. Grab a hand. Loving God, loving each other.
We tend to make it harder, build steeples out of stone, fill books with explanations of the way. But if we stop and listen and break a little bread, we would hear the Master say, Loving God, loving each other, making music with my friends. Loving God, Loving each other And the story never Loving God Loving each other Making music with my friends Loving God, loving each other, and the story never ends, and the story never ends. Loving God. Loving each other Music with my friends Loving God Loving each other And the story never ends and the story never ends. Amen. Brother Nick, would you pray this? Y'all would just bow your head with me, close your eyes, and sing along with me. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. He's so good to me. He saved my soul. He saved my soul. He saved my soul. He's so good to me. This good part. He's coming again. 
He's coming again. He's coming again. He's so good to me. I had another song I was going to sing, but God laid this song on my heart, and this morning I see why. It's been one of those days If anything can go wrong It went wrong I know I'm feeling sorry for me There's a lot of self-pity going on Tomorrow I will be okay the dawn will bring a brand new day. I'm sure by then I'll be fine. Lord, I really need a friend. I know that you understand. Will you hold me while I cry? I take a lot of your time. When I should be strong I should be standing by now But it's you I'm leaning on You've always kept me safe from harm Like a child in your arms You've cradled me through hardships Lord, it's just one of those days I've been fought in every way. Will you hold me while I cry? I try to be strong, but if anyone can fall apart, I fall apart. I run back to you again And you heal my broken heart You have truly been a friend Reaching out to lend a hand Lord, when you could have passed me by I'm asking for your strength today Lift my spirit, Lord, I pray. Will you just hold me while I cry? I take a lot of your time when I should be strong. I should be standing by now. But it's you I'm leaning on You've always kept me safe from harm Like a child in your arms You've cradled me through hardships Faced in life Lord, it's just one of those days I've been fought in every way Will you hold me while I cry? You've always kept me safe from harm Like a child in your arms You've cradled me through hardships Faced in life Lord, it's just one of those days I've been fought in every way Will you hold me while I cry? Ooh. 
You know, I um, I prepared a message, but um, I'm not going to go with that this morning if it's okay. Uh, um, I may not be as together as I normally am because, I, and I don't like doing this. I like to, I like to have it together. I like to know exactly what the Lord was. I, you, well, you know, Nick, but I, I'm not going to have it all together. Ain't no telling where we're going to end up. But I just um, want to do something different this morning. Turn first to the book of First Corinthians. Chapter 12, I'm going to start reading in verse 20, go through 26. You know, you just, you noticed this morning that um, when certain songs were sung or when certain things were said, um, knees hit the floor. And many people had things that they didn't come and, and hit the floor, and that's fine. There ain't no power in this altar. It's a place for you to just be broken. It's a place for you to humble yourself and just be broken in the sight of God. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are many people in this building this morning that are have reasons to rejoice. You know, everybody don't everybody's not in a valley right now. Some people are on the mountain. But there have been times when you've been in the valley. There are times right now that some people are deep in the valley. And um, I just I, I want to touch on a worship service this morning. What is a worship service? Why are we here? What is our purpose? Are we here to, to come up, take up an offering, sing three or four songs, have a preaching sermon that everything is in perfect order, uh, and then have a, a time of invitation, and then if everybody praise and nobody else comes then we just say a closing prayer and we go our separate ways is is that a worship service it could be it could be but that's not the way God designed his worship to be when God created the church he created them to be the body of Jesus Christ he created them to be members of one another he created them to be one, to pray for one another, to care for one another, to serve one another, to love one another. He created us to be a one another body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 20. But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no chism or no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You can be seated. What is a worship service? Why are we here? We are here because we are joined together as the body of Christ. We are all people that have been called out of the world to come out from among them and be separate. We are people that have been called out of the darkness of evil into the glorious light of the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We have all made that same decision. We've all drank from the same cup of His blood that was shed. We've all drank from the same Spirit that He has given to each one of us. And we have all become one in this body of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that we are many members, but we are one body. And that there are parts that may seem like they are greater, and there are parts that may seem like they are weaker, and there are parts that may seem significant, and there are parts that may seem insignificant. But in the eyes of God, all the parts are needed. All the parts are the same. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that He has given greater honor to the ones that seem like are the weaker, to the ones that seem like they are insignificant. 
He has given greater honor. And that lines up with what His Bible teaches us. His Word teaches us that if you want to be the greatest, what must you do? Become the least. So that right there shows that if someone in the body of Christ seems to be the least, they are actually the, the greatest. God has given them greater honor. And I thought about this last part where it says, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Is your foot happy because your toe hurts? What about your leg? Is your leg ha happy when your muscle cramps? What about it, Panky? Where's Panky at? When you, when you get a cramp in your tongue, you got a cramp in your tongue last night, right? Anybody in there ever had a cramp in your tongue? <laughs> Did your teeth like it? <laughs> when one member of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. When one member rejoices, the whole body rejoices. Pinky's one of my best friends, and he I know he don't mind, and you ain't going to beat me up after it's over with, right? We'll see. So why are we here this morning? Why do we gather together? What is our purpose? Why are we in one accord, in one place this morning? Look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And again, I'm not, I'm not all together, so I've got to find this stuff first. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's start in verse 26. Why are we here? In this chapter, the Apostle Paul is explaining to us how an order of worship is supposed to go. He's trying to teach them how to do things in the house of God decently and in order. He's trying to show them what order actually looks like. See, our ways are not God's ways, are they? That means that not necessarily things that are ordered to us is necessarily ordered to God, is it? That's why we cannot say that just because we came in and had three songs, we came in and had a 30-minute sermon, we had a five-minute invitation and a two-minute closing prayer and out the door, you may not, just because there was good order, good structure to that, you may not necessarily be able to say, well, that was a worship service. You may not be able to say that. But let me tell you what Paul said a worship service looks like. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26 says, How is it, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? He says here, whenever you come together, you've got 20 people standing on this stage and they're trying to sing a different song at the same time. What would that sound like? Who would be ministered to if I sung through the fire at the same time Mike was singing God is so good, at the same time Mark Curley was singing loving God, loving each other, at the same time Brenda was singing hold me while I cry, and every bit of this was going on at the exact same time, who would be ministered to? No one. And he says here, how is it, brethren? Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. He says, listen, if you're going to do things, let all things be done for edification. He said your whole reason for coming together in a worship service is to be edified, is to be built up is to be growed, is to be fed, is to be ministered to. God has given Nick a gift and ability that I need in my life. God has given Chad a gift and ability that I need in my life. God has given me a gift and ability that you need in your life. And guess what? If we don't get together, we don't share. If we don't get together and let me give my gift to you, and you give your gift to me, we don't get edified. We think that we're here just to do what we do, and then we get up and we go home. I'm here just to preach the Word. There's nothing you can offer me, so I'm just going to come in and just... I'm not even going to come for worship service anymore. I'm just going to come in. I'm just going to stand behind this pulpit. I'm going to give you what the Lord has so richly blessed me with, because I'm so blessed by God. I'm going to deliver it to you, and then after I get done with my invitation, I'm walking out the door and I'm going home because there's nothing you can offer me. What does that sound like? Sounds foolish, don't it? Sounds stupid. You know why? Because it is. Let me tell you something. 
you have something that I need. And I have something that you need. And when we come together, our job is for Pat to sing her song and give you what she has. And my job is to sing my song and give you what God has given me. And Nick's job is to... That's what Nick does best. Nick's job, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, that laughter is encouragement for the soul. You know, I ain't necessarily got that like Nick's got it. He just looks funny. I mean, you can look at him and laugh. But you know what? That's the truth. I'm really serious. Now, Nick does. He, he's got so many gifts and abilities, but, but that is one that he just brought out. He just proved my point for me. You have something that I need. You know, it's good for us to come up here and cry together, but it's good to laugh together. It's good for us to come up here and pray for each other, but it's good to sing to each other too. And the Bible says here, how is it when you come together, each of you has a psalm, each of you has a teaching, each of you has a tongue, each of you has a revelation. He says, let all things be done for edification. Make sure whatever you do, whenever you do it, whenever you come together, that you know that it is going to edify the body of Christ. And he goes on and he says in verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, each in what? Each in turn. And it would be the same thing for singing a song. It would be the same thing for preaching a message. You know, it could be possible that one Sunday morning, Nick has a word from God too. And he has to get up here either before or after me, and he has to deliver the word that God has given him. It could be that way. And it's the same way with singing or tongues or anything else. That's right, I said tongues. I know we're in a Baptist church, but yes, the Lord does give a gift of tongues. And there is a purpose and a reason. It's supposed to be each in their turn. It's supposed to be for edification. There is a process that he says to follow through to make sure that this is edifying. Just the same way with psalms, songs, or whatever else we sing, preaching or whatever else we do. And in verse 28 says, But if there is no interpreter... Let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. You know why? Because if there is no interpreter and no one understands what is being said, why does it matter that everybody else hears it anyway? Do you just want to be heard? Is that the case? If not, just keep it between you and God. Because guess what? It was for you. If God gave you a tongue, there was no interpreter. It was for you to be edified. And you are to be tickled with that. Just because you don't get to tell everybody else what it is. You know, there are times when Nick, I'll sit up at that water planter in my truck and I'll sing a song just, just to me and the Lord. I don't need you to hear it. I don't, need, I don't need to come back to church Sunday morning and say, let me sing you the song that I sung to the Lord in the water plant so that you can hear it too. I don't have to do that. There are times when I'll stand in there and if my boss were to walk in on me in the water plant, he would swear I was crazy because I'm in there preaching to the walls. Literally. I've been in there screaming at the top of my voice, just preaching the best sermons that I've ever heard to me. Now, I don't know. It may not have been nobody else. But, I mean, I'm in there preaching my heart out to these walls. Now, I hope to get saved one day. I'm working on it. But, you know, there are. There are times I'm going through this place, and it don't matter that anybody else hears it because it ain't for nobody else. It's between me and God. That's what it's for. He goes on and he says in verse, in verse 29, Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. A prophet was one who spoke the inspired word of God. Someone who spoke whatever God spoke to him. That is what me and Nick and teachers so many others do today. Whatever the God speaks to us, that's what we speak to you. Right now you might say that I am prophesying. Not because I'm telling you something. Not because I said there's going to be five inches of snow tomorrow. No, that's not why I'm prophesying. I'm prophesying to you because I feel like this is what the Lord is speaking to me. And I feel like the reason He's speaking it to me is for you. So now each prophet in their turn or each pastor or each speaker in their turn, they now take the word that the Lord has given to them and they now edify the body with it. That's why we're here this morning. We're here to sing psalms to one another. 
We're here to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, in tongues, or whatever else the Lord would see fit to do. But let all things be done to edify each other. We're here to build each other up. You don't fight this thing on your own. This is not a war where you're the only soldier. This is not a war where you're the only captain. This is a war that there is an army full of the Lord's children and He means for each of, each of us to give our gifts to each other and edify each other. He goes on, he says in verse 30, But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent, for you can all prophesy, what? One by one. Same way with tongues. Each in his turn. Same way with songs. Each in his turn. You can all prophesy one by one. And he says here, if I can find where I was. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be what? Encouraged. I told you I didn't have it together this morning. But the Lord does. He said that all may learn and that all may be encouraged. That's the whole purpose that we are together. The Lord is not just here this morning just so you can come in here and raise your hands to Him and go home. There's a song that Casting Crown sings called Life Song, and it starts out like this. Empty hands held high, such small sacrifice. But if not joined with my life, I sing in vain tonight. In other words, you can hold your hands to the heavens as high as you can reach them. I mean, you can even stretch your fingers just to get a little bit higher. But if not joined with your life, you sing in vain this morning. He says here that the reason you're here is not to lift your hands and just give Him praise. Yes, that's part of it. But the reason you're here is to encourage someone. The reason you're here is to learn from someone or to teach someone. No, you're here for both. You're here to learn from someone and you're here to teach someone. He goes on in verse 32. He says, And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. You know what that says to me right there? The spirit that speaks to me is subject to me. In other words, I can either speak what he says speak or what can I do? I can shut my mouth. The Bible says don't quench the Spirit. That means that I have control whether or not I deliver this thing or not. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. That's why each one of you can sit in your turn. You can keep yourself under control. And then when the appropriate time comes, you can stand and you can sing your song or you can preach your sermon or you can speak your tongue each in his turn so that all may learn, all may be encouraged, and all may be edified. Let all things be done for edification. He says in verse 33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as is in all the churches of the saints. He says, in the church, whenever you come together, in the body of Christ, do things decently and in order, but the way you do it decently and in order is not just that we have to have three songs, 30-minute sermon. No, you may have 20 singers in one morning. And you know what? If the Lord says so, so be it. You, the Bible just sat there and told you, for each of you can prophesy, each of you can speak in tongues, each in their turn. Each in their turn. You can all minister to each other one by one. The reason we are here this morning is to sing to each other. The reason we're here this morning is to pray for each other. You know, I'm not the only one in this building that can pray for you. I'm not. I'm going to tell you, there's a gift that God has not blessed me with yet that Kirby is just full of it. I, well, you, who said Kirby's full of it? Well, <laughs> be careful. Kirby has the ability. He has just a genuine compassion inside of him. I can stand up here and I can deliver this word to you. And I'm not saying I'm not a compassionate person. I'm not saying that. But I ain't where he's at. And it ain't that I'm un, more ungodly than he is. It's just that that's not a place that the Lord has put me at yet. It's not. He didn't mean for me to be everything. He didn't, when I was born, he did not say, name him Jesus Jr. 
He shall go forth in all the world and he shall do everything that all Christians should do. That is not what happened. That is not. When I was born, God said, name him Kevin Wells. He going to be stupid in some things. He going to be he going to be smart in <laughs> Y'all ignore him. He going to be smart in others, but he ain't going to have everything that I have to give because Kirby's got some of it. Ronnie's got some of it. Nick's got some of it. Clay McAllister's got some of it. Y'all, each and every one of you as children of God, you each have something that we need as the body of Christ. And you are here this morning to minister to each other, to edify each other. I want to go over to 1 Peter. And again, I don't know. What, let's, let's just figure out what we're doing. 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to start in verse 8. I want to talk to you, and this is what I feel the Lord leading me to, so it's where I'm going. I want to talk to you just for a minute about blessing one another. I want to talk to you about speaking a blessing to one another. The whole purpose we're here to edify each other. The whole purpose we're here to learn from one another, to sing to one another, to minister to one another. That is why we are here this morning. I hope you get that if you don't get anything else. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 8. He says, Finally, all of you be of one mind. Peter has just got through speaking to all of the parts uh, that people played in the body of Christ. Some of them were masters. Some of them were servants. Some of them were husbands. Some of them were children. Some of them were wives. And he has just displayed part of their role in the body of Christ to each and every one of you. And then he comes to this last step where he says, Finally, all of you be of one mind. That leaves nobody out, right? That's from the most significant to the least significant. That's from the greatest honorable one to the least honorable one. He says, all of you be of one mind. Look what he says next. Having compassion for one another. We should be compassionate for each other. He says, love as brothers. You know why? You are a family. You are my brothers. You are my sisters. You're my family. I hope you understand that this morning. We are a family. And he says, love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil. Here he's talking about us with each other, right? How many of you know that even your own brothers, even your own family does wrong to you sometimes? But guess what? He says, you don't return evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, what do you do? You bless. On the contrary, you bless each other. And he goes on, he says, knowing that you were called to this. You were called to what? You were called to bless one another. That is the purpose that you were called into this body. To strengthen one another, to grow one another, to build one another, to bless one another. He says you were called to this that you may inherit a blessing. You abide in Christ by following His commandments, right? You do as He did, and as you do that, you inherit the blessing that He has to give, correct? And He says here that you were called to be a blessing so that you would inherit a blessing. For He who would love life and see good days, what does He need to do? Let Him refrain His tongue from evil. You speak good things to each other. You don't speak bad things to each other. You speak blessing to one another. And he goes on in verse 11 and he says, or at the end of verse 10, And his lips from speaking deceit, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are only righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. A blessing. What is a blessing? How do we bless one another? A blessing, if I looked it up right, it's been a while back since I looked it up. A blessing is a spoken word 
that brings goodwill. It is a act sometimes that brings prosperity. It, a blessing is a, a spoken word that calls down the gracious power of God on someone's life. I want you to think back whenever the Lord first made Adam and Eve. Look at the book of Genesis because I'm going to try to show you a little bit of this if I can remember the scriptures. Genesis chapter 2 or Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 and 28. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 and 28. Remember, we are here to bless one another. It says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God what? He blessed them. And what? He blessed them and God said. He spoke something to them. He called down something upon their life that would not have been there had God not spoken this into them. But he says here, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Do you think that they would have just figured that out on their own? No. God had to speak this into them. God had to show them that I have blessed you and I have given you dominion. I have called my gracious power down into your life and you shall have dominion over all the beasts of the field, over all the animals of the earth, the fish of the sea, because I have blessed you. I have blessed you and now you be fruitful and multiply because I have blessed you. He said that God blessed them and He spoke it. He told them. I think back to whenever um, Jacob and Esau, I don't know if y'all remember the story of Jacob and Esau or not, but I'm not going to go back and tell the whole thing. But basically, here's how it goes. Isaac had two children, Jacob and Esau. One of them was the oldest named Esau, and it was his right to inherit the blessing of his father, to be the, the rich one, to be the, the ruler over the family household. To make a long story short, Jacob come in from the field from hunting one day, and, or no, Esau had come in from the field from hunting one day, and he was about to die according to him. He said, I smell this stew that my brother Jacob is fixing. And he goes into Jacob's tent and he says, Please feed me some of this stew because I'm fixing to die. And Jacob looked at him and he said, I'll tell you what. I'll give you some of this stew if you give me your birthright. And Esau says, Yes, yes, that's fine. Go ahead. You've got my birthright. Just give me some of this stew. I'm fixing to die. And the Bible says that Esau ate this stew and he gets up and he leaves the tent. Now my first question to you is, Do you really think Esau was about to die? No, but even still, he traded his birthright, his inheritance. He traded this thing for a piece of food, for a temporary strength. He traded it. And then the Bible tells us that when it come time for Isaac to die, that Isaac called forth his sons, and he asked Esau to go out into the field and kill him some meat and fix him some stew to eat so he could bless him. And instead, Isaac's wife, Jacob and Esau's mother, chose that she wanted her younger son, Jacob, to be the inheritor of this blessing. So she says, Jacob, you go into the tent of your father. He's old, he's blind, he can't see. He said, you go in there and I'm going to put some animal skins that have hair on it because Esau, his brother, was a hairy man. So he puts animal skins on Jacob's arms and Jacob goes into the tent. He bows down before his father. He convinces his father that he is Esau and his father lays his hand on Jacob and he blesses him. And he tells him, 
you're going to be rich in grain. You're going to be rich in honey. And he, he tells him this blessing that is going to come upon him. He says, you're going to be ruler over your brothers. And your other brothers are going to serve you. And he blesses him. Well, then Esau comes in and he realizes that somebody's already been there. And he says, Father, I'm here to receive my blessing. And Isaac looked at Esau and he said, Son, I have already blessed. And Esau got mad. He said, Jacob has stole my blessing. He stole my blessing and he said, Father, please, do you not have a blessing left for me? Is there not something you have for me? And Isaac looked at Esau and he said, I have already spoken it. The blessing has already gone forth. He had already released this power into Jacob's life. This was a spoken blessing that came from the authority figure in the house that was spoken into this one's life. And once it was spoken, it could not be returned. He said, your brother Jacob shall be blessed. I have blessed him. I have spoken. It's already done. He shall be blessed. He said, but I'm going to bless you. And Esau bows down and Isaac puts his hand on him. He says, you shall serve your brother. He shall be your master. And that's the blessing that he received. It was already spoken. I'm going somewhere. Just go with me because I'm not sure. Well, the Lord's going somewhere. Go with me to Numbers. Numbers chapter 22. I'm going to quicken this thing up a little bit. I think it's 22. I'm sorry. Go to Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6, starting in verse 22. This was actually a command that the Lord had given the priest. This was a command that the Lord gave the priest of the temple, the priest of his people. The priests were the ones that God had ordained. He had sanctified them. He had set them apart for the purpose of ministering to his children, of feeding the flock of God. Their job was to stand in between the people and God. Their job was to give sacrifice for their sins, to pray for the people. That was their jobs. And he gives them a command in number 6, verse 22. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons saying, This is the way, what? You shall bless. He says, I want you to bless my people. God started it in the beginning. God blessed them. And now he says, I want you as the priest to stand in to bless these people. And here's how you bless them. He says, say to them. So the first thing I want you to notice about this blessing is what? It's spoken. It's not just something you assume that they know. It's a spoken blessing. And he says to them, say to them, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you and the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace and then notice in the next verse so they shall put my name on the children of Israel and what will God do I will bless them he says you speak you call down the power of the almighty into this person's life don't just assume that they know the Lord's going to bless them the Lord's going to keep them the Lord's going to shine his face upon them and be gracious to them you call it down you say to them the Lord bless you, and the Lord keep you, and the Lord shine His face upon you, and may He be gracious to you. And they called this blessing into the children of God's life. They called it into them. And this is how they begin to walk in who God created them to be. Where am I getting to this morning? The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, I believe is what it is, that we are a royal what? Priesthood. That means that we are now the priests of God, right? Each and every one of us has now been set apart, sanctified to be priests to God, to minister to each other the way that a set few did in the Old Testament. Now we do it to each other. 
You are a holy priesthood. You're a royal priesthood. A people that has been chosen by God to bless one another. Where am I going with this? Each and every one of you have people in your lives that need your blessing. Each and every one of you sitting here this morning have somebody sitting next to you, beside you, behind you, in front of you that needs your blessing. You have a blessing inside of you that only you can give. Kirby has a blessing inside of him that only he can give it. As hard as I wanted to give it, I couldn't give it. But somebody needs that blessing that he has to give. And you have someone in your life. Fathers, your children need your blessing. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs 22, verse 8, or no, Proverbs 18, verse 22. If you can get that for me up there, Juana. Proverbs 18, verse 22. I want to say that because I'm coming to a close. If I'm right. Proverbs 18, verse 22. Let me just read it to you. This is what it says. 18, verse 21. I'm sorry. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's pretty strong words, isn't it? Let me say that one more time. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. Your tongue, right here, this thing, it has the power to speak life and it has the power to speak death. I want you to know when I was a kid, from the time I was in the first grade, so many of my teachers and the school system told me, you cannot understand what you read. Now, you know what? Maybe they were right. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Maybe something was wrong, but that was actually a lie. I could understand what I read. I was kept in the reading comprehensive special ed class till I was in the eighth grade. Till I got ready to go to high school, I stayed in a special ed class for reading because, you know what? I couldn't understand what I read. I actually believed it. I believed this. And I went around telling everybody, I can't understand what I read. You know why? Because this thing, well, that was why. Yeah, I didn't want to. But the main reason I believed it was because this thing was spoken into me. Not only that, but when I was in the second grade, they came to me and they said, you don't talk right. <laughs> you don't talk right. And they put me in the speech class. And they sit there and they made me put my tongue under my front two teeth and do my S's, S's all day long. And I did this for two years. For two years in the second and the third grade, I spent at least 30 minutes every day in speech class going... I'm good. You're right. I don't, I don't whistle anymore when I talk. But, you know, the, the point I'm trying to make is this. My mama finally had to go in there and tell them there's nothing wrong with the way he talks. He talks just fine. And she pulls me out of that class, and guess what? I'm a public speaker today. But it wasn't because of speech class. It was because my mother spoke into me that I did not have a problem with speaking. She spoke that into my life. Fathers, your children need to know that you are a great child. I am so proud to have you as my child. They need to hear you say when they get up in the morning that you are going to do great things today. I know that today is going to be a great day for you in the Lord. And you speak this thing into their life. And you know what happens? They begin to walk in the blessing that you have spoken I want you to know there was a time when the only thing I knew was Hank Williams Jr. That was it. But there was a young man named Charles Ingram who came to me and said, there's something special in you. He would look at me and he would say, one day Wells Baptist Church will not be able to contain you. He would look at me when I did not have the courage to stand in front of anybody and sing a song, much less preach a sermon. I was the biggest sinner you ever seen. But he looked at me and he said, one day 
Wells Baptist Church will not be able to contain you from the great things God is going to do in your life. And he would look at me and he'd say, put them cigarettes down because God has something great in store for you. And he would speak these things into me. And as he spoke these things into me, I began to walk in them. See, some of you fathers may look at me right now and say, you don't know my kid. They ain't going to do great things. You know, my daddy, my daddy, God love him, because he was good to me, so don't hear me putting him down. He was, he was a good daddy. He, I never went out for not, nothing. But when I brought my report card home to him, you know what he'd say to me? Boy, you're destined to dig ditches for the rest of your life. <laughs> and then he took off his belt and whooped me. <laughs> and, you know, I began to believe that after a while. I even went to work for, for digging ditches for a little while, but... But God saw fit to bring me out of that. He saw fit to speak a blessing inside of me, and I didn't stay there. I'm trying to get this point across to you. Right now, your children may not be walking in the greatest place that you believe, but you can still speak these things into them. You know why? Because you know that they can. Whenever Jesus first met Peter, Peter was a brawler. He was a sailor. He was, he, he was a sinner of sinners. But yet the very first time he ever met him, Jesus looked at him and he said, You are Simon, son of Jonah, but you shall be Peter, Cephas, which is translated to mean a rock. You, you may not be able to look at your children right now and be able to honestly say you are a great child, but you can look at them and say you are going to do great things. And you can call down the gracious power of God and a blessing into their life. But guess what? If you don't speak it, you won't know what I believe. I believe it'll never happen unless it gets spoken from someone else. But it must be spoken. You know what, husbands? I'm just going to hit on myself here just a little bit today. I treat my wife good. I really do. I, I, I feel like I'm a good husband to her. I, I try to show her my love. Uh, I, I come in there and show her affection, and, and I, I want her to know that she is the most important thing in my life. But you want to know the truth of it is? If I don't tell her, how is she to know it? If I don't speak it to her that she is the most important thing in my life. I, I, husbands, we ought to be, as the authority figure in our home, we ought to be blessing our wives. We ought to be looking at them saying, The Lord bless you, and the Lord keep you. And may His face shine upon you, and may His grace be all over you. We ought to be speaking blessing into them. You know, and you may be looking at me right now again and saying, you, some of you wives or some of you husbands, you may be looking at me right now and you may say, you don't know my husband and you don't know my wife. I can't bless them. I can't speak good things into them. They will never begin to walk in it until you speak it first. That's just the truth. So you can start today. Peter was not the Peter of the book of Acts we read when Jesus first met him and said, you shall be a rock. But he spoke into him the potential that he knew he could be. I could go on like this forever. I, I'm not going to do that. Here's what I'm going to say to y'all, y'all this morning. I thank you for, for giving me the time to speak what the Lord would say to you. If you don't speak blessing on each other, we will never walk in the full potential that God means for us to walk. If we don't start blessing each other, if we don't start putting a priority on praying with each other, on speaking good things into each other, on encouraging each other, on learning from each other, if we don't start doing that in the worship service, we just walking in the same old traditions that the Pharisees walked in for so many years. So I encourage you today to do this. You look at yourself and you ask yourself the question, is there somebody in my life that needed my blessing that I have not given it to yet? Is there somebody around me that needs to hear my blessing, that needs my encouragement, that I have refused to do so because I just assume they know it? You know, I can think of one time in my life that my daddy told me he loved me. Now, yeah, I, I, I know my daddy loves me. I think he does. I, I believe he does. But I can remember one time in my life that he actually told me that he loved me, and that was at my wedding. On my wedding day, he come out, he grabbed me up, and he hold, hugged me tight, and he cried with all of his tears in him, and he said, I love you. And that's the only time I really remember. Now, I'm sure that he probably did from time to time. But, you know, that was something that, that I believe that I needed. So I'm saying this to y'all. Today is the day that you look and see, is there someone in my life 
that God has placed there, and there's a blessing inside of me that only I can give. And if I don't give it, they won't receive it. And I encourage you to do that today before the day goes, and there may not be another day. I encourage you to do that. If it's a husband or if it's a wife and you need to speak this blessing, speak it. If it's a father or a mother and you need to speak this blessing, speak it. If it's a sister to a brother or a brother to a brother, you know what, Ronnie and Letha, thank you all so much for what you do. I mean that. I'm telling you what, I'm able to carry on and try as hard as I try and do what I do because of people like this. Because I know there's people in place that I can count on. I know there's people in place that they're going to be there. I know that I can trust them with anything. And I need to be speaking that into these people's lives. I encourage you, there's somebody in your life that needs your blessing. Only you can give it.